0: two four drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner, ready to rip it up here on a early, early Wednesday morning. I'm excited to get into this, Mike. We're going to do a a little bit of a preview of NFL week two, preview of college football week three. Going to talk some storylines. Big 10 is obviously in the news i um, going to look at Monday night football. We didn't have an opportunity to do that yeah. on the last podcast. Talk some rookies there, Jerry, Judy, Michael, Oge, and Moutier. And then we're going to bring up matchups to watch three apiece in the NFL, specifically rookies. We're going to make a green line pick in the NFL where we're going to pick against the spread over under or a total. And then college, we're going to watch, look at three prospects to watch at the collegiate level. And then a green line pick at the collegiate level as well. Before we get into that, let's get into the storyline. Starting with the Big Ten, when do you think they make this announcement? Like, because they're obviously coming back. The Big Ten is back. But yeah. when? When do you think they make this amount, announcement? And when's their first game? Like, how quickly can they put the, can they put a schedule together that allows those teams to compete in the college football playoff? Well, first off, how about the Nebraska? Was the AD
1: yeah on a hot mic saying it's gonna be announced tonight? And then oh wait, it didn't happen. It's been a lot of that. It seems like so much, like reports conflicting about what's actually going on behind the scenes. I'm not sure they're doing anything behind the scenes at this point. With how many conflicting it reports has to there be. have, and just like nothing changing at this point. But I said it when they had when they first canceled the games and when they first can, or canceled the season, said we're going to whatever play in the spring. So the pressure is going to be too much from donors, people who are giving money to school to the school, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, if the SEC can figure this out." The Big 12 can figure this out. The ACC can and figure out. And there hasn't
0: been COVID spread either. There hasn't been like schools that are like really getting savaged or destroyed by this.
1: And if these schools can all figure it out, what's going on with Like, why the hell can't we do this? Uh, what makes them so special that they can't? So I think there's going to be so much pressure to play this fall. And uh, the date being floated out there, October 17th, that they're not going to get a full season in. Uh, if you're starting October 17th, you're going to be around eight, nine games. So I don't know about playoff implications if they do start, but I I kept saying, I mean, I think they're gonna play. It might not be right away, but they're gonna play football this fall because it's you know, coronavirus spread is going down everywhere, the cases, whatever, positive rates going down pretty much nationwide. I just think the pressure will be too much on them and it is too much on them right now, with you know, teams actually playing conference games that I, I think they're gonna end up. Playing football,
0: the the only legitimate team that I think would make the college football playoff from the Big Ten is Ohio State. Do you feel that Ohio State, even with an abbreviated season, finds their way in? I feel like they shots have shots
1: fired to Michigan. I love it. First, yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I, that's
1: the thing. I don't. That's the tough part because they Cause were. I,
0: if you play a college football playoff without Ohio State and they show that they're, they're the most dominant team, even yeah. if they start in October, I would feel kind of. Uh, left out. I think Justin Fields would. I think yeah. J- uh, Ryan Day would. I mean, everyone on that team wants to play in the college football playoff. They know they can compete with yeah. Clemson and Texas. The guys that we have picked for this year.
1: Yeah, uh, um, I'm just sad though because Wyatt Davis not going to play. Sean Way. Sean Wei, They've already got agents or whatever. They're not. They're, they're screwed. Like if, if they do end up playing, they're not going to be able to play. Uh, the NCAA there's no way the NCAA is going to like go back on stuff <laughs> like that. So uh, I don't think though if it's like. If it's an eight-win Ohio State and you got maybe UCF with twelve wins, like twelve and out, I honestly think I, I think they'll be left out in the cold in the playoff if they're not playing in full real. compared to everyone else. The, the one we're not talking about though here though that. I feel good about the Big Ten playing football. I don't feel good about the Pac-12 It's not.
0: Football. I don't think they are. I mean, the governor of California cannot is not, like right not right letting on. them. I, I don't think they're Practice. going to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they got the fires there in California, too. Like, There's a lot of reasons to kind of probably Okay, the fire out.
1: has no, <laughs>
0: no impact <laughs> a, whatsoever on I mean, there's a reason this. to reflect there <laughs> on the West Coast. Okay, let's take this time to reflect. Use this as an opportunity okay. to get better.
1: No more uh, baby re- gender
0: reveals. There you go. This is that's the, what, it what is. We, this is the big no thing. All right, let's talk a little Monday Night Football, specifically bringing up that Denver game. Start with the Denver game. Denver versus Titans. Jerry Judy had a couple bad drops. Those drops were not. I mean, that's but, as bad as it gets. Like yeah, yeah.
1: In terms of just like that was, those were
0: easy catches. Those are easy. we make those one, on one of the drops. I'm, I thought he created separation really nicely, and I was like, oh man, this is a this is a sweet route from him. Then the drop was ugly. I thought the shake route from the slot. Like I thought, it looked good, but he also like it was a lot of steps. Like he kind of like stumbled through there, and then <laughs> there's that one one route where he, I think he catches on a hitch, maybe from the slot, something along those lines. He goes to stop you, and you see like his knee like buckle and turn back. I was like, "That's oh the man. classic Judy yeah, knee." Yeah, yeah, I know that. I was uh, I was uh, kind of interested in his way the way his feet worked on that on an NFL field. It just looked different. I, I do think, yeah, I mean, that's what we kept saying about him.
1: He just looks different, and some of it's because his legs are maybe not the best like yeah. built at this Yeah, they're, they're a little They need to get a little stronger. But I do think projecting forward, like we can say that was an objectively poor performance from him with those two drops. was Pretty crucial in the fourth quarter. But also saying that it was probably encouraging projecting forward because one, we have a big enough sample size that drops were not an issue for him at the co- collegiate level. Yeah, he had some pop up this past season, 2019 at Alabama. And they were definitely focused Alabama. drops. Yes. And so th- that's never really been a problem so i mean there's been so few guys where drops are like a serious problem for them at the nfl level it's more the way you attack the football that like can Mm -hmm. be problematic where you're just never going to make contest catches, you're never going to make plays through contact that sort of thing i I don't worry about that with him because he attacks football the right way he just those concentrate drops through and through so projecting forward i think it was encouraging because he was getting open i mean the same shit we saw at alabama from him was still working Mm -hmm. You, you know yes he Danced a little bit at the line of scrimmage, but I think with the route and like the route concepts on that play, he had that freedom to get off there, uh, to to take a little time at the line of scrimmage on that release. So I do think that it was. Basically, I mean, like, that was what I expected from Jerry Judy was that day one, he could get open in the NFL, and now they're going to need him if Cortland Sun's out.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, KJ Hamler's, Hamler's battling injuries done. as well. Uh, also in that game, two rookie cornerbacks played. Michael Ogimudier earned a 75.2 PFF coverage grade, allowed just two receptions from four targets for 16 yards, and recorded a PBU. But he also had Iseng Bassey playing 45 snaps, mostly at slot cornerback. Uh, allowed four receptions from four targets for 22 yards. Impressions for both those guys. Iseng bassi starting in slot. Is like, I love it. He's,
1: he was a guy we, I'll never we forget liked.
0: his, his senior bowl. But his senior bowl was disaster.
1: And that we're just like, okay, if you put him in a, that position, yeah, it's going to be bad. But that's not the position. Like, yeah. that's not who he is whatsoever. And now he goes to slot in Denver. Dude,
0: Vangio Van being great. able to put together a competent defense with Michael Jamudier, Isang Bassi, and Bryce Callahan as the three starters is incredible. I mean, he's, put, Boye too. No. Boye's hurt now though. He Boye only played 28 yeah. snaps.
1: Okay. But like, uh, Uh, Oja Moutier, though, was the one who I was a little bit more impressed by in terms of what I thought of him coming out versus what I saw. And he was another guy where he played at Iowa in exclusively off-zone coverage, and that's where he's going to in Denver. Like That was a good fit for him. True. But then you saw it when he was pressed on A.J. Brown at the goal line right there at the play that should have been the game-ender, but Ryan Tannehill kind of waved on him. Uh, It Just like his press technique was bad. I I worried about him uh at the line of scrimmage when he was asked to do that uh, i mean the senior bowl he did not look good so uh, I, I think there was some signs of life the pick he had was an awesome speed turn to go back and get it and that was negated by a penalty but that was one of the best plays i saw from rookie all week from him so they're encouraging but also had a missed tackle where like he let AJ brown go after a slant and then he had that pretty egregious was it, a dpi where like yeah. It was basically a college. It was it was a straight up college chuck down the football field where you can get away with that there and you can just slam a guy cuz there's no way of contact but in the NFL flag every single
0: time. Let's move to the other game on Monday Night Football. The doubleheader on Monday Night Football after the first Sunday of Week 1, by the way, that is not a lot of sleep. I was struggling these past two days. I'm glad we are able to rally on a Tuesday night here. But looking at uh, Andrew Thomas, first, uh, first-round first pick, played 68 snaps in this one, a 60.8 PFF grade, also allowed four pressures. Not great from a box score perspective or advanced box score perspective, but in the run game, a 64.7 grade, definitely Definitely didn't have an outstanding debut, but it wasn't a disaster by any means.
1: Yeah, it was a tough match tough up matchup right out the gate. You're going up against Bud Dupree's ridiculously explosive, and is one of the better edge there was at least last year. as developed into one of those, so not an easy matchup by any means. But I was, kind of, I think I was kind of encouraged. Like there were a number of reps where he handled them one on one by himself, uh, and they obviously knew that whole second half that they had to pass, like they were down. So uh, I think encouraging start it wasn't you know lights out but didn't allow a sack didn't allow a hit just four straight pressures on the day Uh, I think that's uh, compared I I was impressed with this entire tackle class right out the gate like all the guys who were starters uh, and even Jack Driscoll who we're going to touch on here a little later no one looked okay I I lied Terrence Steele (laughs) I forgot about Terrence Steele he looked out of his depth but no one looked like they weren't ready for the speed of the game like some tackles have in recent years, where it's just like, damn, like he doesn't belong he's in not ready. the field. But because he's a first-rounder, they threw him out there. I don't think that was the case with any of these guys. And for all of them to be you know, 21-year-olds, all of them super young, I think that was very encouraging. All
0: right, staying with that Giants game, we're going to introduce a new segment on 2 for 1 Drafts and yet to come with the title really we're talking about second year players so we got yes. some feedback that you know adding something on second year players each week just to be able to look just at these at guys early in the season yeah, at like least early guys, in the guys season. taking that step sort mm-hmm. of thing well so staying in that game we want to talk to Daniel jones i mean he, yeah. he finished with the highest offensive grade uh on the giants that, um in that game you know the box score looks worse with those two interceptions one to tj watt and one to cameron hayward as he was getting hit but if you look at his grade an 80.5 pff grade from a clean pocket 75.7 pff grade when under pressure 7.5 yards per attempt when, from a clean pocket as well is also impressive. I thought move the ball downfield with some accuracy four for four pushing or five for five, pushing the ball downfield in that 10 to 15 yard range. I I thought it was impressive. It was an impressive um, uh, game for Daniel Jones.
1: Yes. That's the two biggest things with Jones. He can do, you can do that underneath stuff, you know, hitch routes, like quick outs, like timing underneath. He can do all day long. He can, he has that part of playing quarterback down pat, it was, can he be accurate down the football field? Can his timing uh, translate to deeper throws? And that throw to Slayton for the touchdown, the post route, where they, they caught him in you know cover three and having to switch the middle of field safety with the opposite corner, which is a tough ask. But he hit it right when he needed to, and it was a perfect placement. Throwing with anticipation. You, yes. And, and, and that'll help him when you're know when you trying to push the ball downfield and, and be more accurate with the football. That was a fantastic play. Uh, I thought the fact that he didn't fumble once after fumbling 17 times last year. Huge. was nice. He was putting two hands. Josh Got Allen
0: it. caught the fumbles instead. I mean, yep. Daniel Jones, no fumbles was good. And his two
1: picks, while like not great, they weren't like some of, like some of his picks last year was just missing guy, or mm-hmm. missing throws or missing, you know, defenders in throwing lanes. That wasn't that at all. The T.J. Watt one's just like, you're not going to see that guy falling off like that a lot of the times. And the Cameron Hayward one, one obviously was being <laughs> like hit. The T.J. Watt one's usually just a, like a batted ball. Like mm-hmm. That's usually what it is, just T.J. Watt's superhuman. So you tip a cap to that. And then getting hit like that was not not a good decision to throw it but again it's yeah. not one where it's like you're not going really more for the team.
0: decision than you do the throw on the Cameron Hayward pick yeah. um th- what's interesting is i feel like PFF does receive a lot of criticism when a when a quarterback earns a very high passer rating but not as high of a grade mm-hmm. but doesn't receive on the other end he earned just a 79.2 passer rating but an 82.1 overall grade and like really was really positively graded despite yeah. the two interceptions this is the opportunity where PFF grade can have a higher you know high, more predictive power than pass rating because it looks at actual skill set and, and what they did on, the and field. this is not. This is
1: not the Giants' defense he was facing. This yeah. is a real defense. This is probably a top five defense in the NFL. They, the majority of their offensive line was getting manhandled, mm-hmm. like. Some quarterbacks could have completely collapsed behind that with zero running game to speak of whatsoever, also. And not even just zero running game. Like they were going backwards with the running game a lot of the time. So I do think. Dude, Saquon Barkley averaged minus
0: 0.7 yards before contact per attempt.
1: That's ridiculous. The Steelers had like a hell of a game plan up front with their D line. They were just throwing blitzes at them that the Giants had not seen or were not prepared for all
0: right another sophomore we got to bring up here is Marquise Brown five receptions on six targets for 101 yards and 86.3 pff receiving grade I thought there wasn't a on that tape there wasn't a ton of like one-on-one matchups him just burning people down but I thought he did he did get open against a, a lot of off zone and like what he did after the catch I thought was impressive that's well. what you're gonna see though
1: if you're the Ravens, so you're, yeah. you're not going to play man coverage against Lamar. Most of the time you're going to see zone coverage just because of how his scrambling affects you affects, you know, if you're playing man coverage, all his he has speed to do is too, get out of It just forces you to do
0: things different. And I think you, when you see him get on it, you can, you, you see why he gets the extra attention he did get in that Browns game. Like he, in a lot of, I mean, in some ways it reminds me of Jalen Rager and that like off, off coverage, you could just burn by you mm-hmm. and and force your defense to do things it doesn't want.
1: I thought for a while you were talking about Lamar there. But they're oh, both, yeah.
0: No, Marquise Brown.
1: <laughs> yes, and that's the thing. He's going to see a lot of that, and I just think you're going to see a lot of deep connections with him and Lamar
0: this season. I mean, I think that Baltimore Ravens offense is going to the moon. I think the Chiefs and the Ravens offense are both just – Fantastic, And I don't think neither of them played their perfect but game maybe yet. Maybe Lamar gets figured. Someone's got to figure him out. Stop. No one's figuring Lamar <laughs> out. I know. All right. Uh, let's also talk Gardner Minshew. I, I, he did not earn a super high grade in this one. I think it was, uh, yeah, 71.3 grade. Very very low average depth of the target. I was going to say you just wanted to talk. We got to just, gotta just talk Gardner Minshew when we can. I don't think it was an overly impressive game. I think the box score is way better than what he asked, how he actually played. Got the ball out very quick. Up there, I think, top five in average uh, time to pass. And then also very low average up to target. Not asked to do a lot of crazy things in this yeah. game. But he just consistently doesn't make mistakes. So the hilarious thing to me is
1: if they had Gardner Minshew instead of Bortles back in, what, 17? Mm-hmm. They might win the Super Bowl. Like, he's a much, <laughs> much better suited quarterback for what that talent had on that roster yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. And not, like, I don't want to say not really for what they have now. But, like, if they get in a shootout. That's when you worry about Gardner Minshew. I don't think he's passing for over 300 yards this season. I, I, I don't
0: like he pr- that's No, he will. In a single point. game?
1: Because they'll be down in a good number of games just with that defense. But I, I do think that his style of play would have been much more suited for them than Bortles. And ironically, they get him after
0: you just wish to see they had more weapons like I think obviously DJ Chark has a lot of high on LaVisca Chanel like okay well LaVisca Chanel I think if he can continue where he was I thought you know he had a couple nice plays in this one and they they used him creatively like LaVisca Chanel is actually a big piece for them yeah DJ Chark LaVisca I'm not like the biggest like Keelan Cole fan or the other receiver that they do have or Chris Conley but I think if you had guys like LaVisca like maybe another one that can do what he can do after the catch then you're getting into an offense that can maybe sustain itself but you have James Robinson at running back, no name tight ends, and then obviously DJ Chark and um, DD, huh? DD Westbrook. DD Westbrook. All right, let's jump here to the next second year player, Garrett Bradbury. Zero yes. pressures allowed. We were pouring one out blackout segment season for Garrett Bradbury this time last year. It's it's kind of awesome to see that like he is not like a complete dumpster fire in week one.
1: And not even, not only that, against the guy who just you know ended as career almost last year, Kenny Clark. (laughs) Kenny Clark 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 did get hurt in that game, though. Retirement. Uh, But, yeah, like, it was, even early on, though, I guess he only passed, like, five times. He was good. Like, I I liked what I saw from Garrett Bradbury much more. The anchor was much, much better against, you know, just, like, on contact last year. He would just get moved back into the pocket every single time. Mm -hmm. And and that was just a huge problem for that passing attack. I, I think in this one you saw just a more physically developed player ready for the NFL game. And that's very encouraging for the Vikings for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, 32 pass blocking snaps played zero pressures allowed. You get love to see a clean sheet from Garrett Bradbury. Also a clean sheet, Elton Jenkins, your mm-hmm. guy for the green Bay Packers, zero pressures, 33 snaps at right tackle. I, I, I'm impressed Dude. with Elton Jenkins. I'm also impressed with your call him going at right tackle? Okay. Yeah.
1: So I said, right. He was, should play right tackle way back in like April. Um, I stand by it. He's, he was awesome. He, he went one-on-one against Yannick Ngakwe, I think, twice at right tackle on obvious pass situations. Shut him down both times. Yannick Ngakwe, first-ever time playing right tackle in the NFL. Not an easy matchup. I, I mean, I, I think that they have to consider after what he put on tape there, 33 snaps. Now they kind of have a hodgepodge of, like, injuries there on the, on the interior not sure exactly how it's going to mesh up they might just r- roll with Ricky Wagner at right tackle for the meantime because they are so injured on the interior but that that's your right tackle of the future the way he played at right tackle is and you know he has the arm length he has like 34 inch arms he's six foot four he has the size the agility everything you could want for him to tackle he just didn't play there a lot at Mississippi State he played you know center and guard mostly I think but he did have a few games at right tackle and I think that's your right tackle the
0: future dude picking up 47 snaps at left guard and 33 snaps at right tackle in one freaking game is insane i think the minnesota vikings finished with the lowest time of possession since they started tracking it in the nfl i think eric eager said that on sunday like they dude, the packers ran a shitload of plays in that one that's crazy that experience you're picking up in that game uh joan williams uh earned a really high grade this past uh this past week had three like you know, key plays in that one, all of which coming against targets against Mike Gusecki. I thought he looked the part. I mean, looked the part of that tight end neutralizer that they drafted him to be. Like, they want him to be a big player, like a safety, big safety that can go against any tight end, the George mm-hmm. Kendall, Travis Kelsey's of the world, and lock him up. And he did that against Gusecki. You don't love Gusecki, but I think it was a good test for him.
1: Yeah, that's what he should. That's, like, when we were, he was coming out. I'm like, the role for him is tight end racer. Any other role... I'm not as sure. Like If you're if you're expecting him to just be outside corner, press coverage, you're going to have some issues against quicker guys mm-hmm. for sure. But if he's going up against a tight end, I think every day of the week he's going to just put that guy in the, in the turf. And he did that. One of three targets, nine yards, one pass break up, had another one that he was just like – and even the one catch he allowed, he was at the catch point. So uh, I, I think you are you got your Patrick Chung replacement there in Jawan Williams. I think that's probably his best uh, – Roll there. Two more also, names. Also, Javon Williams, every time I see his name, sorry, I had, just had to bring this up, the the second J is not capitalized. It's just like J-O-E-G, or J? I always get G's and J's mixed up. I'm losing it. It's, What's going it's pretty on? early in the morning. But the second J in his name, Joe Juan, J-O-E-J-U-A-N, mm-hmm. is not capitalized.
0: I don't. I didn't expect it to be.
1: Why? Every time it's like a two-name, like... I
0: don't know. I think, I think it's fine without. the Just with a the J in the shit.
1: middle of a name like that, switching it? I'm for it. I'm all for it. It should be Joe Juan if, it, if it's Stop. not capitalized. Stop. Uh,
0: Dre Greenlaw. I just, that one always upsets me. Dre Greenlaw. Maybe that's why
1: I'm so low on him coming out.
0: <laughs> Dre Greenlaw played uh, 35 snaps uh, against the Arizona Cardinals in that loss for the San Francisco 49ers. But an 84.2 overall grade had a hard. nice PBU that led to an interception. Also allowed just two receptions for four yards and zero missed tackles, which is big at off-ball linebacker. Missing zero tackles, always big. I mean, he was a great tackler as a rookie, and that's the thing that –
1: is almost like infuriating if you're a 49ers fan watching him, Dre Greenlaw. And I know he wasn't; he was a fifth round pick, like, and you just paid Quan Alexander a zillion dollars, whatever, to play linebacker for you. Dre Greenlaw is the better player right now. I, I don't think anyone, even 49ers fans, watch like watching both of them. You cannot tell me that Quan Alexander is better than Dre Greenlaw. They just they need to get him on the field more. Uh, I'm sorry, he is very, very. He might be the best linebacker from that draft class the way he's playing right now. Could be. I don't know. He was like the highest grade as a rookie. Now that it's Devin Bush, Devin White, love them. Great players, but that's how good Dre Greenlaw has been for the 49ers.
0: Staying in the Bay Area, jo- oh, no, I'm not. They're the Vegas Jeez. Raiders.
1: You of all people.
0: <laughs> They're the Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs, second year back. Uh, he in the, I think, second or third best overall grade of any running back in 2019. He's already off to a really good start. 25 carries for 93 yards. Yeah, that's only 3.7 yards per attempt, but he gained 81 yards after contact also put in two runs of 10-plus yards and forced 10 missed tackles. He gains yards after contact at Will, always slows his shoulder, finishes runs. Like, in terms of – I still wouldn't draft him in the first round. That's maybe a hot take. Maybe it's a hot take you still wouldn't draft him in the first round. But – he is what they drafted him to be, and they also started throwing him the football, which is always big. I think he had five targets, four receptions for. Let's see. Actually, that's the one I want to see, though. Yeah, I mean, is five targets, four receptions for forty-six game. yards. I think he, he had a. T- he touched the ball on forty-seven percent of the Raiders' offensive snaps, the best of any running back in the NFL, best of any player in yeah. the NFL in Week One. They're going to lean on him from a fantasy football perspective. It's Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, and. I, I think those are the two, like, real bell cows that are going to be getting a ton of snaps and a ton of touches.
1: The interesting thing about this team is the way they're built. They're built to run an offense like we saw from the Titans last year, where it's just like... Yes. Cloud of dust, cloud of dust, cloud of dust, home run. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they they want to lull and you, lull you, That's kind of you, what you, the offense run. they want to run. And, and, I mean, but the thing is, Derek Carr is not that quarterback. He's not Derek
0: a home Derek runner. Carr, you
1: get, you get that... You dial up that home run shot, and he's throwing it three yards to the tight end, rolling out in the flat. Like, he's not... He just hasn't taken those. Now he had four deep attempts in this one, but I, I'd be interesting to see if that if if they with you know like I so, with the personnel they have now, if we do see him actually change that this season. I, I don't think at this point his career is going to change, but that the way this offense built, that could be deadly with their personnel an offense like that
0: all right we're jumping off the second year players train here and going to the nfl looking at matchups to watch each of us has three matchups to watch specifically looking at rookies mike kick us off with your first
1: i don't so full disclosure i, I don't know 100 he's going to play yet but it was just a hamstring he was like a game time decision last week jeffrey okuda going against the green bay packers just get to see his debut. Mm-hmm. What do you look like? Because there were some rookies that look great. Week one out the gate, guy was drafted right behind him. CJ Henderson looked great. Jalen Johnson looked great. Some other first-rounders didn't look so great. Well, no. Guy I'm going to bring up next, Dell, <laughs> didn't look as good. So Jeffrey Okuda against Devontae Adams and company, and they'll, they'll play matchups. Like, they play matchups in man coverage. They had Slay go up against Devontae all day every day they they faced each other the last couple of years and well didn't end up great for slay most of the time but can it, could it be different i don't know we'll see i'm excited for it all
0: right my matchup i want to start with is henry ruggs and brian edwards going against the um of course henry of ruggs course. brian edwards going against Marshawn Lattimore in the Saints secondary which i think has talent cd deuce included um Jenoris Jenkins had a pick six. It was a terrible throw from Tom Brady, but I mean, it's a secondary that at least put up numbers there. But Henry Ruggs, watching back, he had that big reception down the field. It was kind of a blown coverage concept, though. He didn't like it. Was like running wide open, and then Mm -hmm. after that, he had a near. Really nice catch along the sideline, but wasn't able to keep his feet in. I wasn't overly impressed with Henry Ruggs, but they also he didn't get tested a lot in single coverage. And Brian Edwards one target for nine yards. After all that hype in the off season, I was expecting him to just see more volume. Like I thought he would at least be involved more. It's yeah. not like they like they were throwing to Nelson Aguilar over there, throwing to Brian Edwards. Yeah, so. it's not like
1: one catch nine yards. He played full game. He was on this
0: forty-seven, 47 snaps. snaps. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. So,
1: so. Um, and I kind of said it. Edwards can be good out the gate and not be productive because that's not the that's not the role Derek Carr has been
0: what are you talking about. His dominator rating was thousand. <laughs> no,
1: I mean like he could be getting open himself and and just not be getting thrown the ball by Derek Carr because that's just like kind of his M.O. He has not target the outside receiver. Hasn't ever since he broke his ankle.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I think that that'll be a good test for Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, the Saints secondary. Also, be a good test for Derek Carr. I mean, you put 34 points against what was an awful, an absolutely dreadful Carolina Panthers defense. By the way, no, not a ton of talent at linebacker. The secondary is atrocious. Rookies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. De- Derek Brown was getting body bagged by Richie Incognito and company. Like it was, it was a tough, it was a very bad Panthers defense that they nearly lost to as well. However. Going against the Saints is gonna be a lot different. I don't know if they put up the same amount of points.
1: Yes. I get on Give me your next matchup. My next matchup, I'm gonna go with Andell, AJ Terrell, the the Falcons first round <laughs> pick. It looked fish out of water week one. Get late. Good... I thought
0: I, oh, I kept writing late, late, like low, late to the ball, late to recognize the pattern, like it was bad. Good
1: Seahawks wide receiving core. Well, now it's gonna get even a little tougher because you're going up against the best receiving core in the NFL, in the Dallas Cowboys. Uh I, I tweeted this out. The, the Rams only ran two snaps of pure man coverage against the Cowboys. I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams go, you know, blow for blow with the Cowboys in terms of just like man across the board. Just because then you give, you basically gave Dak Prescott. If you play straight man coverage, if you tip your hand, they say you're playing man coverage. You're giving Dak Prescott basically just the pick your poison of. I like that matchup, I, and my guy's going to win that matchup if I like that matchup because that's how talented that receiving core is. So I don't think you're going to see him playing a ton of man coverage, but cover three. Maybe some press. I'm interested to see how he does against, you know, a pretty damn good receiving core there in Dallas.
0: I, I think it's uh, going to be – this Dallas, it was underwhelming that they lost the Rams. Did we underrate the Rams or did we overrate the Dallas Cowboys? What was your opinion of that game? <sighs> That's a good
1: question. Um, I think to some degree we overrated the Cowboys. And, and I said this, I think, on the pod. just Prescott without that clean, clean offensive line. Over the course of his career – it really has gone in the tank sometimes. When he lost Tyron Smith, it went in the tank. So didn't have his right tackle, was worried about that. And, and not only just didn't have his right tackle, and then his interior line gets just demolished by Aaron Donald. So under pressure a lot in that game, I, I just don't trust Prescott as much. So until Lyle Collins gets back, I, I
0: don't think you're going to see that MVP prediction come true. Yeah. All right, my next matchup here is uh, Makai Becton, the New York Jets first-round pick who had a good game in week one against um... – the Buffalo Bills, Mario Addison and Company. Now he's going against Nick, Bosa. Nick Bosa. Who played forty nine of his what fifty-two snaps at right uh, yeah, right outside edge he defender. He so he's gonna right. he's going to see a ton of Mikhae Becton. And Mkay Becton I thought had a good game, not a great game in yeah. week one. It was so encouraging compared to where we had him in the draft class. However, I don't know if this one's going to go all that well. Talk about second-year players. Nick Bosa is a rocket. He was my pick to potentially be Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I think he's that good. I mean, and, and he was good week one. Like, it was It's same it, shit. I, I mean, him and Joey are good. I mean, him and Joey were great week one. Yeah. Joey had a little bit of an easier matchup, but still, I, I really do think that uh, Nick Bosa is going to put Makai Beckton in a little bit of a blender here. This one, yeah. I mean, I mean this probably the one I'm
1: excited to see most, you obviously took it, but I'm excited to see it the most because that's about it's like you know, that's about as thrown to the fire as you can get. You're sinking or swimming there in that matchup, and they kind of go like I think the guys I worried about with Becton. I don't think Bosa's is that type of rusher necessarily, but he's also just so good that I'd be worried about anyone against Nick Bosa. So, yeah. What's your next matchup? My next matchup is Jack Driscoll, the Eagles tackle. And again, I can't nice speak to you about the health of the Eagles offensive line. We're scoring this a little early in terms of if he's even going to play or not. So I might just sound like an idiot come Sunday when these mm. guys end up going. But I thought his rook, his first game as a rookie was very encouraging there. Going up against Washington, he didn't, he didn't have any ugly, ugly losses in pass protection. That's kind of what you worry about, those just like immediate losses. It was more just kind of what we said about him coming out, was that he needed to get stronger. And so every time... Like, when he did on contact, he was just getting collapsed in the pocket. And, like, it was giving Wentz some tight pockets. But he was also not letting his guy get to Wentz. Like, he wasn't losing control of the block. He was just kind of, like, just uh, treading water, basically, into the pocket. And he's going up against Leonard Floyd, though, now in the Rams this upcoming week, who's a much, much, much—Floyd's not collapsed in any pockets. That's not his game whatsoever. So I do think that he might have a good chance of actually, you know— he earned a fifty-four point eight grade this past week. I think he might actually have a good chance of, uh, you know, not shutting out Floyd, but actually, you know, bumping that grade up a good. Jack deal Driscoll
0: chasing clean sheets against Leonard Floyd. I could see it. I could see it. All right, my last matchup in the NFL here for rookies is CJ Henderson, one of the highest graded cornerbacks this past week, had a really really strong rookie debut going against AJ Brown, Corey Davis, and the Titans offense. I think CJ Henderson. I, mean, I I just lo- I loved how much he played at the line of scrimmage. I loved how much one-on-one coverage he was given. And I think if he's given the same, I, I think it's a good matchup. Like I, I mean, C.J. Henderson is a ridiculous athlete that can move. He's a fluid fluid mover, can move with anyone, even including A.J. Brown and Davis. So I, I'm excited to see him get another round, at like a, a strong receiver. Like T.Y. Hilton's a good receiver in the NFL. A.J. Brown, again, like talk about being thrown into the fire. If he comes out of this one with another strong grade, I, I, I mean, he's exceeding expectations in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I do just want to see what he does as a follow up to about as good a performance as we've seen from a rookie week one from you know, just like all around perspective. Playing zone, playing man. It didn't really matter. He was very good. So uh yeah, I, I am not as much Corey Davis, but definitely if he gets to go against A.J. Brown.
0: Corey Davis, Davis was, was fed, there. though. Was Corey Davis done. was fed, like, the volume. Like he I wrote, think it. a lot of A.J. Yeah. A- Brown fantasy truthers were, like, on tilt because Corey Davis's volume. Not seeing A.J. Brown be, like, that top target mm-hmm. obviously was uh, pretty interesting. Well, I mean, the Jags defense has a ton of young players. I mean, Caleb Chason, C.J. Henderson, Andrew Wingard got a pick this past week, the former Wyoming safety uh, rooting for the Mountain West there. But I'm interested to see this Jags defense overall and continue to watch Gardner Minshew cut up the NFL – Speaking of which, Green Line picks, baby.
1: So just get to get back to Gardner. Get
0: back to Gardner. I'll will kick this one off. So we're going to do this segment uh, on Wednesdays moving forward, where we look at an NFL pick using PFF Green Which, if you don't know, all elite subscribers have access to. It's a betting dashboard with insights and you know kind of tips on. Or projections really on against the spread, over/unders and money line. And for my pick this week, which Green Line I think has a 1.4% edge on or um, positive EV, is the Jacksonville Jaguars plus nine at the Tennessee Titans. I believe in Gardner Minshew. If you he was he was eight point dogs against the Colts in Week One at home. Now is on the road, this
1: like the Gardner Minshew podcast. featuring.
0: eight point dogs two in two Week points. One. He ends up winning that game outright. Nine point dogs against the Titans. He, I'm not saying he has to win this one outright. It's on the road. However, I'm not. I'm not gonna make this a two score. It's a two score spread here. Yeah. I, I'm. 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 I'm off of that. No,
1: I. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that was crazy.
0: And the Titans, I, I, as I we don't... saw, did not. We're not great at putting no, up points. Haters, Do, Steven yeah. Guskowski, like shaving points in that game. I, I think it's gonna be hard to get nine, ten points on the Jags and, and win this game. No, I. I,
1: I like that pick. I. They were. I do think their offense is going to be better than I expected. In terms of, I, I just think dude,
0: Visca cutting them up. Oh man, yeah. you're. i even ready for this. They might win this game again. They might be two and zero. People's everyone's favorite, by the way, to pick number one overall in the draft. I was like, are you serious? You think Garter Minshew is is even capable of that? Like, I, I don't understand. Like the team was never that bad. I I thought the Washington football team was a better pick for that. The New York Jets, obviously, a better pick for that. I I, I did no obviously. way saw the Jacksonville Jaguars. Picking number one, they're not even a good division. Like it's a joke that that would they were the favorite in my opinion.
1: They're a pretty good division,
0: dude. Titans are freaking gonna regress this year. We saw that against the Denver Broncos. The, Colts look horrendous. Houston's offensive line is bad. I, I don't think it's all that you're great. Just, of a division. Just smoking this division.
1: <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm gonna go. Well, that was just like the player-hater's ball. You're just like hating hey, on literally everything. Yes, just everyone lost. in the NFL sucks. Um, all right, I'm going to go with the Broncos. I was out week two looking for that classic overreaction line mm. where it's like this team had a good week one, this team had a bad week one, so the line's going to be bigger than mm-hmm. you would have been if we just started the season and had not had that week one. To me, that's the Broncos going to the Steelers and getting seven and a half points. Uh, over a touchdown against the Steelers, and Steelers someone DM me taking a victory lap about Big Ben looking good uh, in week one against the Giants. The Giants are the, maybe the worst defense in the NS- NFL still. I'm going to hold off on crowning Big Ben as being completely back until after he faces a real defense. And the Broncos are a real defense. Even if they don't have A.J. Bouye, Vic Fangio can scheme up a defense. They still have good safeties, linebackers, an and all-right defensive line even without Von Miller. So I do think seven and a half is a lot. If you see a little bounce back from the Broncos, that's just... It's too many
0: points. I know Greenline has an edge on that one as Man, well. Right. And I think you trust Greenline over my dumbass. But still, with the Broncos, the only concern I have is I do not think true lock looked good. And I don't I think know. he's going to look any better against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. It's going to be hard to put up seven points in this game. Man,
1: Those the two throws that really were awful in that one to me were obviously the missed go ball. Mm-hmm. And it was – not setting his feet on that go ball. Is that it was what you saw yeah. at Missouri all the time, mm-hmm. where he's drifting, drifting, drifting and then just like o- opens up his hips and just thinks he can do it all with his arm. That's just gonna be inaccurate. Yeah. It, too inaccurate in the NFL. You've got to be he's, I wish you wouldn't, you know, just be a little more conscious of that, uh, you know, when he's throwing to try to clean it up in his game. And then the over route to Judy where he just like forced it into coverage. Another similar one where he's kinda drifting off it and it was just a terrible decision. Should have been picked, wasn't those are ones that just I wish we hadn't seen. from. Like, we're like Daniel Jones, I don't think, had those type of throws on his tape this past weekend. It's like he improved on things we saw from a rookie. I don't think I really saw that from Locke, unfortunately.
0: All right, we're going to jump to the— think,
1: I, I'm, I'm talking myself out of Locke as I'm <laughs> p- picking them to cover 7 and a half.
0: Uh We're going to jump to the college game now. Three prospects to watch from both of us, and then also a green line pick again at the collegiate level for the weekend. But before we do that, I'm going to get a message from the sponsors. Mike. I got to talk to you about PFF's podcast network. We're adding a ton of podcasts this upcoming season. Obviously, we've had the PFF NFL podcast with Steve Palzolo and Sam Monson. The PFF Fantasy Football podcast, formerly with Jeff Ratcliffe, is now with the new and improved Ian Harditz, which I am a huge fan of. That guy does. That guy's a grinder. Ian Harditz works his freaking ass off, and it's evident in the work he does for his podcast. We also have and have had the PFF forecast with George Shihuri and Dr. Eric Eager then of course two for one drafts a podcast you know and love Uh, we also added a new podcast unexpected points with Kevin Cole who is the man behind our fantasy projections he does all the modeling for our fantasy projections he's also the man behind our showdown slate previews he does a really good job with the DFS showdowns I would really encourage you guys to listen to that one if you are a diehard fantasy player Uh, we also have the PFF college football podcast with Seth Galina Mike and I will be on that I think weekly Seth wants us on there weekly or at least every other week. But Seth Galena, one of the smartest people you'll talk to about football, really understands the game, brings in X's and O's that like PFF really hasn't had. Like Mike Renner tries to do that kind of stuff, but Seth really hits it home. It's a good podcast to listen to for college football. And then lastly, the PFF Daily Betting Podcast, which will be a rotation of talent that talks betting, baby props, uh, obviously totals, over under, all that stuff that's going to be involved on the Daily Betting Podcast. George DeHurry will be on that podcast, Eric Eager. Ben Brown, I might make an appearance, a little props action. But like I said, got to encourage you guys to listen to PFF's podcast network. They can be found anywhere you find your podcasts. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. Free! That's a $40 value for just $20, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Gyms still closed because of COVID and you don't have any equipment at your home or apartment. MooseFit has a bodyweight program that will push you and challenge you. Heading on a beach vacation and looking to tighten things up a bit, MooseFit is a phys- has a physique program with 15 different pre-made programs. MooseFit has something for everyone. Additionally, MooseFit offers completely customized programs that are unique to each member. No two custom programs are the same. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create your custom program for you. All workouts are delivered to members through an easy-to-use mobile and desktop application that allows you and your coach to easily track your progress and make any adjustments to your program that may be necessary. Founded by a former Army Special Operations CAPT and former Division I athlete turned professional CrossFit athlete, MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will challenge you and help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use the code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co.com.co. All right, three prospects to watch this week on the college level. Mike, you kick us off.
1: I'm going to go with Boogie Basham, Carlos Basham, the edge defender from Wake Forest, Actually, going to get a little bit better matchup this week. NC State. Easier for sure. Easier matchup. Going to have some real opportunities to rush the passer here, which he did not have many in that Clemson game. So I'm going to go Carlos Basham, just see if he takes that next step in terms of consistency game to game. We saw dominance out of him, two double-digit pressure performances, but then we saw some disappearing acts. Can he be a 6-7 pressure every single game sort of edge rusher? We shall see.
0: I mean, he, he has he, he could be a first round pick if he's really productive he this be a first year. Round I, I mean, I, but I will say though, there are a lot of other edge defenders with maybe more tools or whatever, Greg Rousseau and stuff that people are hyping up. Like Boogie Basham is playing this year, unlike some of the others, and also has been really productive in his career at Wake Forest. I think mm-hmm. that production speaks for itself. Uh, I have so this was a tough slate. I was looking desperately looking for some games where there's going to be some legit prospect talent, and I went with safety battle, which I know they're not going against each other, but Andre Cisco and Paris Ford obviously That's have. I
1: did though. <laughs> it was just like we saw them do the Oklahoma drill.
0: So you have uh, Syracuse playing Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh I think it's like 20, 21 and a half point favorites in this one so it could be a bloodbath and I think mm-hmm. that Syracuse defense outside of Andre Cisco is absolutely terrible and I do not see them having a ton of success against a Pittsburgh team that for the first time I've ever seen forced Austin P to agree at half to reduce the time of the quarters from 15 to 10 and three and four like that I don't think I've seen that and we before.
1: don't want to give you guys COVID they're
0: like, yeah. to, they're like no so like, <laughs> we need to shave 10 minutes off this game or else we'll yeah. be a disaster I think it was 42 nothing at half but Andre Cisco is still going to be a bright spot for that Syracuse team and Paris four I think graded well but only only a handful of like really impactful plays in that game I'm excited to just see more tape from both
1: yeah I I I mean, like I said, there's not a lot of prospects to go around. So we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But I do think uh, there are some interesting guys to watch. Mine is going to be 2-2 Atwell. Louisville, junior, wide receiver. We've talked about him. Gadget play dude. 4 speed, though, or whatever, reportedly. He's fast, though, whatever it is. Very fast. But going able to the real defense now. Miami, Florida this week. Uh, just to see what his usage looks like. How his routes look down the football field mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a much much better evaluation for him.
0: Man, after that week one game, I started fading Tutu Atwell a little you know, bit, thinking did. thinking about him as a top fifty player is just tough for me because I just don't see how you get that value in purely like that gadget role that he's playing at Louisville even right now, and I don't see that role changing in the NFL. I, I, I'm excited to watch him too. I want to see him run routes downfield. I want to see him, you know, push downfield and get open with that 429 speed on, on valuable routes. We'll see if he can do that against Miami. Uh, I put in here, need Chris Rumpf to rally after a tough week 2 against Notre Dame. I think, what, Duke plays Boston College? BC, yeah. Boston College this upcoming That's week. Cool. I mean, Chris Rumpf, we already said he's probably going to come back to school, like, not big enough just yet to go to the NFL if he wants to get drafted highly, but... Still one of the more fun players to watch, if I dare say it. Hashtag. Hashtag fun to watch. Chris Rumpf, I mean, he has the, the tool belt. I mean, he's got two tool belts around his waist, and I think the pass rush moves, always fun uh, to get a look at that. And I think Chris Rumpf, though, it's probably. Tool belts. It's weighing you down. He needs to take. No, he has three tool belts, actually. <laughs> Sorry. And he, somehow, he needs it for the weight. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah he's, he's trying he's to add weight on, on the scales here. As
1: many belts as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chris Rumpf, uh, I mean, uh, uh, again, fun player to watch going against BC, looking for him to bounce back.
1: Yeah, I, I think he will. BC line compared to Notre Dame line. BC just anything compared to Notre Dame. Academics. Easy. Uh, yeah.
0: Academics? Jeez, you, you thought I was that's hating a, on the AFC South? That's like, that's,
1: I mean, that's the Notre Dame thing. <laughs> oh,
0: sorry, sorry. Should yeah. we bring Brady Quinn back on the podcast? We should, actually. Uh, oh, sorry, that's actually a Golden Domer thing. Uh, <laughs> I apologize.
1: All right. Uh, my last one here. Tyron Walls. He's back. Oklahoma State, wide receiver, uh, coming into his senior year now. One of the most productive receiver game-to-game basis in yeah. college football the past I mean, he's year and fed a half. too he's fed the football oh yeah towards acl though uh i just want to see what he looks like uh, is he bigger is he faster is he more polished as a route runner i don't think we're going to know that because they don't run a lot of routes there at oklahoma state but i just want to see what he looks like going up against a tulsa team that reggie robinson lists they're not going to be good it's going to be a blood
0: i think i saw i think oh, i saw someone saw compare him to man, emmanuel sanders this past year do Ooh, you see that not at really all
1: i mean emmanuel sanders Maybe like body type
0: wise mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, Manuel like Sanders is just a better way, route runner. Right? Yeah. I feel like it's crazy to make that comp with Tylen Wallace still needing to improve in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, my last one here is just more Chess Rat, baby. Oh, I'm yeah. excited. To, I mean, he was another player that I felt very fun to watch in Week One. I, I'm Are ex- Week Two, wherever it freaking was, but I, 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 again, I, I think Chess Rat plays with his hair on fire. And any linebacker like that, he's very athletic. But he he hits hard. Like I, I mean, he's the guy that I think has the juice to play the position well, and I think he's still getting better at the position from an instinctual perspective every single week he plays. And to see that rapid development from being a quarterback, literally a quarterback in, what, 2018? I, I, I think Chaz Surratt, I, I remember I, I thought it was a really bold take when you said he could break into the first round, I want to see uh, his athletic testing will be key in that in, in that equation, but also just how much he gets better every single week. Because if you continue to talk about him like we were after this past week, man, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the first thirty-two. Chaz, two things:
1: one, he looks like he's more athletic than Sage. Like he's a linebacker. He might be. That's, I mean his, his lateral Sage agility Surratt.
0: is I, I would argue is better.
1: Yeah, his brother's wide receiver, and I think he's more the more athletic one. Chaz, like I think you're going to go to the combine, and Chaz is going to test out better. And two, I think he's a he, that was first round linebacker tape that we saw last year. Yeah, that that was very good. Only one missed tackle on seven attempts. That's an improvement over one out of like every four. So uh, I think a lot, a lot to like. And yeah, like I said, he could establish himself, maybe not against Charlotte but he could establish himself as a first-round linebacker in a few, game, in a yeah. few weeks.
0: It was right? tough to highlight it as like a matchup for him. Yeah. And Charlotte's kind of just prospects to watch. Yeah, he's prospects to watch, right? baby. prospects to watch. All right, let's close the pod now with our two green line picks for the college slate. You go ahead and kick us off. I'm going to go with Baylor
1: kicking off their season at home against Houston, four-and-a-half-point favorites. They still bring back Charlie Brewer, though. I think this offense, I mean, you no know Matt Rule, but I think these set – laid the foundation for a good program here and the guy I want to highlight William Bradley King the transfer from Arkansas State that dude can fucking ball
0: right. let's ball it's a four and a half point win he's
1: a difference he's the kind of guy who's a difference maker at the college level may not be a good pro prospect whatsoever and so, like, his name didn't draw headlines when he transferred, but that dude's going to make an impact for Baylor.
0: Mine is, it's kind of fading the public, because everyone watching the Miami-Florida at Louisville game is rooting for points, and there's going to be a ton of points. However, there is a, over a 1% edge in PFF green line on the under, under 64.5. 64.5 is a ton of points. That is a lot of points for a college football game. And I think Louisville, as much as I love Mikhail Cunningham, D.R. King, I think there's skill players on both sides, a ton of speed, a ton of opportunity for explosive plays. I think the public's going to continue to bet this number up, 64.5 right now in most places. I think you put a little cheddar on the under in that game and fade the public just a bit. That's going to do it, Mike. That's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Two Foreign Drafts. In and out in about 45, 45, 50 minutes, That's which swift. I feel like is sweet. Um, make sure. I, I love the suggestions. we got the suggestions for the second year segment. Continue to get suggestions. Yeah. Leave a comment in, on the YouTube because all of these go on YouTube. Also, can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That helps put dinner on the table for both of us. Send us DMs. Like I bring
1: up the DMs to people uh, hating on me. Yeah. Send more. Send more it.
0: DMs to Mike, actually. Mike has a lot of his most positive Especially ventures. if you're an
1: Instagram model. <laughs> if you're an Instagram model. I'll listen to this. I'll probably respond. Those always
0: usually work out for you. That's (laughs) what I've heard. Um, No, but uh, send Mike DMs. Don't send me DMs, but please rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast for everywhere you get podcasts. But until next time, Monday, when we're talking week two in the NFL, week three in college football, reviewing rookies and draft prospects. We'll see you guys then. Austin Gale, Mike Renner. Two for the draft.